Ladies, gentlemen, babies, welcome to Dad Pod Season 2, Episode 5, Charlie Clawson. I know it's a serious episode when Charlie's wearing his hot rod singlet. Yeah. I've busted out the uh, WWFT for this episode. I'm going to rely on the uh, energy of a, a million Hulkamaniacs <laughs> around the world. Oh, no. I really shouldn't say that. I'm wearing uh, Roddy Piper's T-shirt. He's a mortal enemy of Hulk Hogan. Gee, that was just slander what I've done there. No, I have a great, quite a collection of uh, wrestling tees, uh, Osha. It's a shame that this isn't a visual medium because people could see every week I could wear a new one. <laughs> That's awesome that you could. That's it was like I guess like me with metal shirts a long time ago, but those days are well and truly gone. Uh, we've gone around again on uh, Dad Pod with season two. We're very excited to be back for season two. Uh, we've been having a, a cracking season so far as we work our way through the nine months of pregnancy, but kind of a bit, a bit more of a fine tooth comb than we did on the first season, and mm. possibly presenting a little more substantial fact. With the benefit of hindsight, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe some actual facts that could possibly help, like actual things that could help out. Dad pod, now with extra facts. (laughs) Actual things that could help out. And we were, like last week we talked all about, you know, which way you want to go. Do you want to go down the public route or the the private route here in Australia? And um, that does lead us to what we want to talk about this week, which is birth courses. Sorry, can we just pause there? Are you just going to brush past the fact that you said route? You're in Australia, mate. We say route. What route are you taking? Well, we don't say route. You lived in the states for far too long. I did because I would snicker every time they go. What route you taking? What route? That's how I got into this mess. That's why I'm doing a podcast about it. (laughs) Exactly. What route you taking? A web is free at the end of the night, mate. Mm. (laughs) Oh dear God! Yes. Which route? Public or private? And so this week we'd like to talk about, I guess, the next thing that happens after that is like, well, I I guess we'd better, you know, kind of skill up a little bit and figure out what the hell is about to happen and um, Mm. get involved in some birth courses, try and see what we really need to know about what's coming our way. Well, you were the one who actually tipped me off to this. Uh, You know, when Gemma and I uh, were deciding what birth course we wanted to do, I took my lead from you because... You and Audrey uh, did a calm birth course and you did it outside of, of Sydney. You went to a, a country town, Goulburn. And I believe the thing that really got it across the line was the bed and breakfast you stayed at yeah. uh, had amazing scones. Amazing <laughs> and scones was... and probably the world's best collection of tea cozies. Uh, Mittagong is actually where we went. We went to the uh, the calm birth course out in Mittagong and I'm actually really grateful that we went and did it. I know we talked about this in season one, but it was the former bass player from Silverchair, Chris Joannu, who took me aside. We were at a Bucks party of a mutual friend, and he took me aside and said, mate, calm birth. That's all I'm going to tell you. You've got to do it. It's like, well, right. I have done 12 rounds with you at the bar after an Arias or two. I know that you know where I come from. And if you're telling me that calm birth is the right thing to do, I'm going. And it was it was really, really, really very good. Audrey, obviously, this is her second child, so she 
obviously knew what to expect. A baby comes out of your body. But um, it's not the only birth course, but I found it very, very helpful because with knowledge comes confidence, really. It can be very daunting, very intimidating, particularly around what the what the woman can expect as far as labor. Because as Charlie, you have mentioned that a lot of the exposure that people ever get to labor is the most dramatic, most painful, most scary thing we see in movies. And it as you say all the time, Charlie, it doesn't have to be that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so whatever whatever class you do choose to go to, it is important and it, it is very helpful for both people in the relationship to go along. You want to go along around, you want to book it for around 18 to 20 weeks. Um, we chose to use it as a bit of a baby moon, a bit of a final hurrah before baby came along. Maybe go along a little later if you want, maybe about 30 weeks. So it's like really fresh in your mind. Really, really fresh in your mind, and then there's, you know they touch on all sorts of things. And there's calm birth, there's she births, I think is the other one. There's 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 a heap, but get along, I reckon. They all follow a, a similar philosophy, which is the idea is to uh, reduce a rate of medical intervention yeah. in uh, the process because. You know, there was a, a, a long tradition of when a woman is getting ready to give birth, you take her to a hospital, you strap her to a bed, you put her feet up in stirrups, yeah. which was just the accepted practice for childbirth, which when you really sort of do these courses, you realise that was just so illogical to what needs to happen, what's mm. going on in the, in the woman's body and what you need to do. So the idea is that with these courses, you can reduce the rate of medical intervention. It also encourages you to reduce the use of pain relief and epidurals. Mm. Um, you still have those options available to you, but some women like Gemma wanted to see if she could do the whole birth without any kind of pain relief or epidurals. And you also want to reduce the impact of anxiety and postnatal depression after childbirth. So it's really good at tooling you up for that kind of stuff. Uh, Absolutely. Audrey was the same. Audrey did it without drugs as well, Charlie. And a massive part of that goal is staying calm. And, and you know, it's in the name, but once you learn that for the woman's body to feel safe and private and ready to give birth, all the right hormones will flow that will make it as easy as possible. It's still going to be incredibly you know, intense, but it will be It'll all happen a lot more smoothly if the oxytocin is flowing. It's when the anxiety kicks in, that's when the cortisol starts flowing. It stops the oxytocin. And once that hormonal imbalance kicks in, that's when pressure can be perceived as pain. So the, from what we learned, the more you know about what is happening, the calmer you are about everything that's going on and the more prepared you are. And I think that's as well. You know, you talk about medical interventions, but certainly in the course that I did, they said, okay, so that's everything that we hope will happen. Here's yeah. what happens if it doesn't. Here's what to expect yeah. if you have to have an emergency C-section, if you suddenly have to, you know, if you, your baby gets born preemie, da-da-da-da-da. And it's tough to listen to that stuff, but it gave us the confidence to go, okay, well, if that does happen, we are prepared to go, right, we'll... Tr-. Like, it's not like everyone in the room isn't the most highly trained person that is possibly available on that day, and their entire goal is to make sure that you and wife and baby get out of it safe and well. No one's phoning it in. Yeah. I mean, and the thing about these courses too is it's worth saying they're not anti-medicine or anti-intervention. It's just about unnecessary intervention and also the pressure that some people feel to defer to doctors, to defer Mm. to midwives, to defer to other people. It's like, well, 
if you know or have an understanding of what's going on and the different stages, you know, you and your partner are at through the pregnancy, then you can make a more informed choice. It's not a course designed to make you go in and second guess doctors or second guess midwives. Hold up there with your bloody degree, pal. I spent an afternoon between a pack of scones and a cup of tea where I learned. So yeah, you exactly. Can hold I was, that I was Googling about this. I think I know. Out of the way, past the gloves, I'm going in. That's not what it's about. Absolutely not. It's just more to prepare you, I guess, for what's going on. And also, what I found, actually, it really helped me be an advocate for Audrey to know what she needed to feel calm, secure, safe, and private. And that anytime Mm. anything that was happening that wasn't those things, to go, just speak up. Because she obviously couldn't talk when she was in labor. To speak up and go, hey... I appreciate that. Can we talk about this outside or whatever? Mm. Like, you know, just advocating in the room. And it really, as you mentioned before, it's like what to expect in labor. For me, just being able to see, even just see photos of what it looks like for a woman to be in labor. And I was able to do that in the course of see, because I've never seen what it looks like for a woman to be in labor. I'd only ever watched the same movie as you had, you know, to go, oh, okay then. So that's where I learned, like when she's not able to talk, that's when it's on. All right. Everything before that, it's kind of don't brush to the hospital. And so even though it was intense for her, when I could see that she was no longer able to speak, like, okay, here we go. And yeah. I found that rather than just kind of waiting, like, is it now? Is it now? Well, what happened? Yeah. How about now? How about now? It's like knowing, no, 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 just wait for this moment. And then you're good. It gave me the confidence to go, okay, I'm good. That's actually a really good point, Osh, because I had the same realization at some point in the, in the calm birth weekend, they do show you uh, videos of different labor experiences. And the thing that really struck me was, because in my head, I had the Hollywood image of mm. like screaming and doctors running around and machines beeping and, you know, blah, 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 giving birth in the back of a taxi or a lift or whatever. But what is more common is this moment of kind of intense introspection and calm. And it's almost trance-like what happens, like the, what is going on for your partner. Mm. I imagine for them, like, you know, that it is the most intense physical exertion that's going on. And so rather than the screaming and the wailing and the swearing that you sort of, I mean, that happens, don't get me oh, wrong. Yeah. But there is a lot more time where it's more just kind of um, an endurance event where, the you know, you're just kind of in between sort of moments. And you're right, like being able to sort of, advocate on your partner's behalf, see if they need something to eat or drink or they want a cold compress on their head or a back rub, all that kind of stuff. And because I've got to say, Osh, I'm not a great group activities person. I don't like boot cams. I don't like I don't like yeah. group mandated fun. Are you the one guy when the, at the when you're at the gig and they go, all right, sing along. Are you the one guy with your arms folded? It's like, fuck, I will sing when I want don't to sing. Don't tell me Thank what you. to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know. It's, I always have, a, a, I'm fairly resistant to that kind of stuff. But this weekend um, when we arrived, it was great because it sort of gets you out of your own head to hear the stories of other men and women. It wasn't just the other dads, but it was the mothers as well. And, you know, hearing that the mothers, their side of the story, and, and there was even a couple of couples in our calm birth group who it was their second child. Yeah. You know, a bit like Audrey, where they had either had a child so long ago that they, you know, wanted a refresher or in the instance of one couple, they had a really unpleasant experience with their first child and they wanted yeah. to see how they could amend that. And, I think that was really good to hear this whole kind of spectrum of views and also realizing that those, because sometimes when you sort of suffer from like anxieties or concern or worry, you feel 
reluctant to express that, especially expressing that to your partner because you don't want to add to, you know, the burden of what she's already going through. And you also don't know if maybe you're overreacting or you're fixating. But then it just takes one person to say out aloud what you're thinking and then everyone brings forward their stories and then suddenly it's not taboo anymore and you can all sort of express. uh, And that's the great thing. It's a very safe space where you, no matter how kind of paranoid your fear is or how unlikely that thing is to happen, to get it out and talk about it and be reassured by an expert is incredibly beneficial. And it might not be that you're in a part of the country where you can be in one of these kind of group classes, like the ones that Charlie or I went to. There are online versions available, but being like, this is called dad pod. I'm sure there's mum dads that listen, but- (laughs) Mum dads. Mum dads. We're going to speak to a mum dad later. Yeah. Your partner knowing that you know is a big, big part of this as well. Giving her Mm. the confidence that, okay, well- they were with me or they've done their homework, I can trust that when I can't speak for myself or I can't advocate that they know why this moment is important. They haven't fallen asleep through this or whatever. So you might not be able to get there into one of those kind of group classes where you are in the country or the world for that matter, but there are plenty that are online and and doing them together is really important. It's really, really important because it gives you not only gives you confidence, it gives your your pregnant partner confidence as well because then they know that you know that you not only take it seriously, but you're both gaining this knowledge together and you can talk about it. Yeah. And there's also like this really good practical tips you get taught as well. So whether or not you're actually attending the class in person or you're doing it online or, or whatever it is, there's just really simple things like ways to alleviate the weight of the baby, you know, like the positions that your wife can get into, you know, how you can support her. Oh, I can't remember what's it called, the scarf-like thing, the Johnny Depp type scarf. Oh, that you yeah. Use Actually, we have one because we've got heaps because Audrey's Fiji and we've got heaps of those things. It's like, yeah, a, it's like a sarong. Like a, like a sarong, yeah. Yeah, and you use that basically um, as a way to alleviate the weight that your, your partner is feeling from the baby so she can get For instance, one of the techniques is that she gets on all fours. You put the sarong underneath her belly and gently lift the sarong up so you're taking the weight off her. And with just like a gentle little kind of like moving motion, just get some sort of relief going for her. Or you can put it around the, her lower back or her butt or whatever. And just simple things like that really came in useful, I found, during labour. Yeah. Knowing that, okay, so I guess we are going to have to get a Swiss ball. Yeah. Which actually ended <laughs> up being really, really handy. It was. It ended up being really, really good to have, particularly when, when Audrey ended up going into labour, which we will talk about in a, in a later episode, but just kind of having expectations around that sort of stuff. The other thing that I know Audrey found really, really helpful. She really appreciated the meditations that came with the course. And it's Uh, not unique to this particular course that Charlie and I did. There's plenty of different courses, as we said. And bear in mind, I I paid full fee. It's not like I'm getting any kickbacks for this. The meditations really helped her. And what also really helped was me doing the meditations with her and me doing the breathing techniques with her and learning how the breathing techniques worked for her because in the moment, on the day, Audrey said to me, that breathing stuff that we were doing in between contractions, that was the stuff that really, really helped her because I was able right. to, she obviously, she can't remember what they were at that time because her body's elsewhere. But I was able to remind her, remember these breaths, do these breaths with me. We learned them and we practiced them together. And it was actually really, really helpful. So take the time really take the time. It's good for both of you for peace of mind, but ultimately in an overarching sense, it gives both of you 
more knowledge, which gives you more confidence, which then decreases the level of anxiety, decreases the cortisol, which blocks oxytocin. And it's the oxytocin, which is what you need on the day that helps everything run smoothly. Spoken like a man who knows quite a lot about the chemicals in the brain. (laughs) Considering the amount of meds I'm on to make sure those chemicals flow in mine. (laughs) I mean, I think that you're 100% right. Like it's all those little things. Another aspect to it, which I was so cynical about and was like, I'm never going to do this, but I ended up doing and was really helpful was the idea of making that space in the instance of us, it was like the birth center, but making that space your own by getting a salt lamp, bringing in like a little portable speaker and making a playlist. And the number one thing, which I was most cynical about, which Gemma said was the most beneficial, was putting up motivating slogans, <laughs> like all around the the birth center. So I had like, you know, you can do it and, you know, deep breaths and, you know, your baby can't wait to meet you and all that kind of stuff. And I just sort of stuck those around. So wherever Gemma was in the birth center, whether she was in the bath or in, uh, on the bed or wherever she was, she had just a little reminder that she could do this. And I mean, I'm one of those people who, like, I'll block someone on Twitter if I find out they've got, like, a, a positive slogan in their Twitter bio. <laughs> I hate that shit. But I think in this particular instance, it was really, really helpful. <laughs> I'll never forget that, that fantastic moment in the Lego movie when Morgan Freeman says, I know it sounds like a cat poster, but it's true. <laughs> exactly. You exactly. could do it. Deep breaths. Andy Dufresne took deep breaths on this day. (laughs) But I can get that other people may indeed have that that experience of cynicism, which is fair enough, Mm. because if there is ever anything that you're going to do in your life that a lot of people are going to judge you for, it's how you parent. Holy moly, dude. No matter what you do, there's a thousand people who are going to tell you you're doing it wrong. And you know what? Fuck them. Unless they're docs, then no. But everybody else, <laughs> they've got no business. Well, it's kind of like the same attitude you take with any kind of life skill, right? Like no one's saying to you, you have to do it exactly like this. But it's almost yeah. like you need to learn what the practices are yeah. in order to disregard those practices. I mean, I think there is at least, you know, our attitude towards this birth was, okay, look, you are definitely in a, a support role. You're, you're in the pits, you know, the race car's going around and you're there to change the tires and refuel and all mm. that kind of stuff. But that doesn't make it a passive role. No. But you need to know what it is that you're doing that is helping. Like I remember yeah. one story coming out of the calm birth course where the teacher was saying that there was a guy – uh, who was in the birth centre with his wife, who was cheering her on like he was at a footy match. And like, go on, you can do it. You know, and I had to be like, that's not helping. So, you know, it's having those kind of discussions and even doing like practice runs like, you know, Gemma and I also did some pregnancy yoga classes where I was sort of taught some techniques for massage and um, just supporting oh, yeah. her against the wall and all that kind of stuff, which I don't even know if we ended up really using on the day. But For my own peace of mind, I felt like, well, I've got an arsenal, you know, I've got some things that I can bring to the table because the most common reflection or comment I I get when I speak to other dads is like, oh, I didn't know what was going on or I felt useless or whatever. And it's like, well, I get that. I get the feeling of like, this is, I'm not the star of the show, but you definitely could win a supporting actor Oscar in this if you you put the work in. If you're not on those acupressure points, if you're not doing the breathing, then you're really not, there's no excuse really. Like all that stuff is at your disposal as... As you mentioned, I think the other thing about these birthing courses, the birth course that we did at least, which I appreciated is that 
yeah, there was some lavender oil burning in the corner. Yeah, there was a, this is a safe space. There was a bit of that going on, but it wasn't in denial of, like I said before, it wasn't in denial that C-sections need to happen sometimes and intubation needs to happen sometimes and things can go really wrong sometimes. And that's all okay. That's all a part of it. And just kind of getting used to that. And that extends beyond birth as well. And and this is a time to start, I guess, talking with your partner about, about breastfeeding. And obviously people want to be breastfeeding for as long as possible. I totally understand that. But understand that if you don't have the milk, if your body's not producing it, there's no shame. There's no stigma. What are you going to not give your kid calories because you don't want to put it on formula? Come on. Audrey on her, mm. on her first pregnancy, when she had Georgia, the milk just dried up and she put Georgia on formula and she's, as soon as she put her on formula, boom, she was sleeping through the night. But similarly, it's like, just to know that yes, you can try hardest and do, you know, have the idea that you want it to be as, as in sync as to what our bodies can normally do, but don't deny modern technology. We have the ability to get baby formula. It will give your child absolutely everything you need. Like don't not, (laughs) don't not do it because you have some sort of unrealistic goal that some Instagram mum has breastfed till they were four. Like fuck, seriously, whatever your body wants to do is fine. I mean, the other thing I would say too is, uh, The great thing to come out of calm birth for us or any of these kind of, like we keep saying, when this is not a paid endorsement for calm birth. There are lots of great courses out there. This is just the one that we've done. So that's what we're talking about. But the idea that once you have all this knowledge and they've, they've tooled you up and they've given you all this information, that you should feel assured in stating what you want. You know, we had a guest last week, Ryan Johnson, who talked about his birth plan, yeah. you know, coming up with a birth plan. And they do go on about that in Calm Birth. Is like you need to know what your parameters are. Do you want other people in the room or not? And one of the most helpful things that I'm so grateful for was the idea that once your child is born, you want to have as much skin-to-skin time as possible. Yeah. All the nutrients come out of the umbilical cord before you separate and then just have some skin-to-skin time because – you know, that is, it's the oxytocin release, it's the yeah. contact, it's the earliest bonding that you will have with your child. And yeah. there would be instances in some hospitals where, you know, they've got a job to do, they just want the baby cleaned up and weighed and all that kind of stuff. But you should feel confident that you can stand your ground and say, we would like some time, you know, do we have to do this now? We would just like some time skin to skin with our child. And I think that was possibly the most beneficial aspect to come out for us. Because that's exactly what, you, what we're talking about is it gives you the confidence to go, hang on, I know you've probably got a birthing delivery ward full of mums about to give birth. You want to get to the next patient. You want to sort this out, but hang on a second. Can I just have the room for 20 minutes? Is that okay? Yeah. Can we do that? And yep. we did the same thing, you know, being an advocate for this woman in your life who has essentially, as, as you describe it, just won the Olympic gold of weightlifting and probably <laughs> yeah. isn't going to be able to talk for a little while. Yeah. You need to be an advocate. You need to be the one that knows, okay, so right now this is what was important to us. It was important that we have this time to be together. It's important that yeah. you maybe don't take the baby away and weigh it and what, give, give us just a second. Like we had, we yeah. delayed the cord clamping with our baby yeah. and we delayed as long as possible. We delayed until the cord stopped pulsing until it went clear. And we're like, okay, cool. Because doctors sometimes like, here we go. There we go. Great. Yeah. One of the next ones. Like, wait, just give us five minutes, man. We can talk yeah. about the miracle of life right here. The baby's not going anywhere. Placenta hasn't come out yet. Let's just chill here for a sec. Just give us 20 minutes. Just leave the happy guest in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> we'll knock on the door when we're done. Did you have a go? 
Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. Under full supervision. So it was uh, medically supervised. It was considered a, a necessary process. No, it was great. <laughs> I didn't think I could be happier in that moment. Turns out I could. <laughs> Charlie, our very special guest dad today is actually a mum dad. Jet lives with her wife in Los Angeles, California. Jet Wilkinson is, well, I think she's possibly the most successful person that I know in the industry. She's uh, worked with you. She's worked with me. She's uh, then left us both behind and chased glory in America. She's an internationally acclaimed television director. She's a mum dad. She's the incredible Jet Wilkinson. Hey, Jet. Hi, Asha. How are you? I'm really good. You're on with me and Charlie Clawson. Hello, Charlie. Hi, Jet. How are you doing? Good. You're, you're, are you our first inter- – is, is Jet our first international caller? Yeah, you are our first international uh, oh. guest on, on Dad Pod uh, from Los Angeles, California. Jet and I first worked together on Channel V about – goodness, Jet was a child. She was but a child, Charlie, probably barely 18 <laughs> – when, so when, were you. <laughs> yeah, I was a little baby. But Jet is now probably, I don't know, let's just say one of the top 10 television directors in the world living in Los Angeles, <laughs> California. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, my memory of Jet is I've worked with Jet uh, lots of different times on uh, different TV shows, and my memory of her is she's constantly trying to get me to take my shirt off. Oh, Charlie, I was hoping you wouldn't mention that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do a bit of a role play here, Jet. Okay, so it's a cold August morning. You're at Palm Beach. You're directing Home and Away. You're there with Charlie Clawson. The scene calls for him to do some good substitute fathering to some troubled youths. How are you going to convince him that it's important for his character to take a shirt off? Take us through the conversation the director has with the talent, please. Listen, it all starts with a script. And it says that, 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 like, Charlie has to be swimming. So that I put him in his board shorts. What else am I supposed to do? That's, that's what a good director does. I don't know if it actually says he's supposed to be swimming or maybe fathering, but I said he should be swimming. So therefore he should be wearing his trunks. And I also like, you know, doing morning breakfast scenes with Charlie because even though he should come down for it, I think, I always suggested that he came down just in his, like, um, box shorts. Yeah, that's right. I always knew when Jet was directing a block because I'd get to my dressing room there'd just be a pair of undies <laughs> hanging on the wall. <laughs> Darling, you loved it. You loved how much I loved you. <laughs> I did. It was very flattering, Jet. Now, we are so happy to have Jet on the show because Jet is a, a, obviously a dear friend of both of us, but Jet has uh, recently become a mother with your beautiful wife. How old's the how old's your little bub now? He's nine months old now. Oh, so you're two months ahead of me. Is AJ the most fashionable child on the internet? Every time I see a photo of him, it's like you posted one photo where it, was he wearing a full tuxedo or was I imagining that? <laughs> no, he was wearing a tuxedo, but that was at our wedding. Like oh. they, that was a um I think that was like a Giorgio Armani like <laughs> tuxedo. That the, the tuxedo cost more than our wedding dress. So he he's dressed pretty good. He's pretty cute. He deserves to look good. We've been talking a bit today, Jet, about the birth courses and the the prenatal birth courses that you do with your wife or your partner to Mm -hmm. get skilled up about, okay, this is what labor is and this is what labor pains look like and da-da-da-da-da. How much of that did, did, did you get into, Jet? We literally went once. I feel like I was pretty lucky because my wife was already a labor and delivery nurse way back sort of in Chicago anyway. 
So wow. she knew a lot about all that stuff. And I guess I was just, I don't know, like a big kid myself. I was just like, let's just go get this puppy and we'll work it out. And that's kind of like what we did for the baby as well. We just sort of closed our eyes and hoped for the best and we were really lucky. And so we went, she suggested we went to one of these things and we went and we were so super relaxed about everything. It was actually more freaky that how relaxed about everything we were. And, and she's so positive and she's so can do. I mean, I kind of don't want to be racist, but she's so American. Like she's like, we can do this. We can do anything. And she's so positive and so nothing is impossible with her. So I was like, I always felt like, okay, well, I'm with you. So everything's going to be okay. And so, yeah, we did one course and people were like, surprised how we'd only been to one of these things and the baby was coming in like three weeks and we'd not done anything but we did okay you know it all worked out Jet, can i ask um did you have any preconceived ideas of what labor was going to be like or or, or anything like that that was changed by doing your one day course <laughs> um not really you know again because Brit, Brit had delivered so many babies and she was right. i always loved her you know, obviously her life ethic of like every woman has a different experience. And so never label anything to be, that it has to be any one thing and never put pressure on yourself that it has to be any one thing. You can read all the books and you can go to all the classes, but anything can happen. So it's almost like you've got to be open and ready for anything to happen. So, you know, they went through a bunch of stuff and it was helpful. And I mean, to be honest, I can't even tell you what we learned, but if anything, it just made us more prepared for anything to happen, you know. And I think that is kind of what they were teaching. They weren't saying that there was any one thing to do. It was just sort of be open and open-minded and prepared and, and almost just trust, trust in what's meant to be. On the day, Jet, did you have to be an advocate for your wife and, and, and say, look, I need you to get out of the room or I need more machines that go bing or I need you to – because that is often the role that the partner has to do is when the – obviously labour's quite intense and you can't speak too much that – I know Charlie and I were just speaking about having to say, hey, look, we need some skin-to-skin time. I know you're in a hurry to get to the next patient or whatever. Can you just give us the room so we can cuddle our baby for a little while? Did you have to do any advocacy for your wife? No, not at all. Like uh, we had like a heterotopic pregnancy, so we originally took Clomid to get pregnant, and um, we used a Vietnamese sperm donor with an IUI, and and so we did end up having, I guess, twins in terms of one got stuck in her fallopian tube, and one went down into the uterus, which is our beautiful baby AJ, and so that was the only time I had to advocate of like, okay, we need to act on this, we need to do something about this because people weren't sure what was happening, and I was like, I think there's two because I kept saying, oh, there's. There's a baby in the uterus. Everything's fine. I said, no, check the fallopian tube. There is something there because we took Clomid and I think there's two of them there. And in that ultrasound, they did check it and I went, oh, there is something there. And I'm like, yeah, there is something there. It's another embryo. Anyway, so that was that time, the only time I had to be an advocate. But by the time we got to um, having the baby, we had ended up having um, an inducement and um, it, it was all very planned out. And to be honest, everything was going clockwork. So... We had to go in and get induced, and um, I think there was like something had to happen at one o'clock in the morning. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, then I'm just going to have a sleep. And so we can't do anything else until one o'clock. So I just got the blanket out, and I was like, I laid down, and then I fell asleep. And then I then at six o'clock the doctor comes in, and I was like, oh, what's happening? And she was like, oh, we're going to give her the um, the epidural, and then it's going to happen. And then she gave had the epidural, and then I went to go back to sleep again. And I was fluffing out my pillows, and she came back and said, get dressed, it's happening. I was like, oh, shit. I said, Brit, have you been having, like, contractions? Because I've been having them all night. I just didn't want to wake you up. I was like, dude, like, that's what I'm here for. 
Oh my so, god! Then it was like literally, okay, so Brit, this is going to happen. You need to sort of like get ready. So I'm like, okay, cool. I I change clothes. I'm like, I put on my sweats and my tank top, and I'm like, sports bra. I'm like holding a hand, going, I'm ready. Let's do this. <laughs> and I was like, shit, this baby's coming out. It's like, Brit, stop laughing. You got to relax. Just relax, because otherwise, if the more you laugh, the, the baby head's coming out. And, like, the, the nurses were, like, literally looking at, like, the baby head coming out, going, shit, this baby's coming. And then one more push, and the baby came out. So it was kind of this surreal, like, what just happened? I was sleeping, and now there's a baby in my arms. So there was no advocating for anything. It was just, like, the baby came. And I just looked at Brit going, are you okay? She was like, I can't believe it. We have a baby. So there was, yes. Yeah, Nothing textbook about it. It just happened, you know? I think what we're learning from this is you either do a birthing course or you just marry a very experienced delivery nurse <laughs> who takes care of everything for you while you have a nap. I don't know. She, she did a great job and everyone's experience is different and she was ready for anything to happen and she was open for anything to happen. She was just trying to be as open-minded as she could be and ended up, she was incredible. And did you guys devise a birth plan prior to, I mean, obviously the certain medical interventions that you were going to use, but was there any other kind of, did you discuss uh, like music you were going to have in the room or did you decorate the room in any kind of way? Were there things like talismans or totems that would make Brit feel calmer? <laughs> Again, we, we, we did talk about a birth plan. It was about the biggest thing we planned was taking in our um, Apple TV. So I was like, <laughs> can we get the... Um, that one and only birthing course, they took us around and showed us all the uh, rooms. And the first thing yeah. I did when I got to the room was like, check the TVs. Okay, cool. So do they have the plugs and all the attachments we need for the Apple TV? That's what I checked. That's the only thing I look for. So what were you taking on the Apple TV? <laughs> but the thing is, I didn't have any time. I was sleeping. <laughs> and then the baby came. Damn it, I've downloaded all the season two of Secession. When am I going to watch this now? So, Jet, your approach to childbirth is a lot like a kid's approach to a slumber party. I'm going to take in movies and some pillows. That is exactly what I did. We, we, we took some pillows. We took some pillows and the Apple TV. That's what we organised. And a bag of Doritos. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I think we had Cheetos. I mean, so we were ready. <laughs> Well, Jet, you are you're setting the standard here on on Dad Pod for dads who napped all the way through labour, <laughs> and we can't thank you enough for that. You're welcome. I say that to Brit every day. You're welcome. I'm there for you anytime to sleep on the couch when you have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so great to talk to you, Jet. Thank you so much for for being on the show, darling. You too, guys. Big love to you guys. All right, good to talk to you, Jenny. Bye, love. Love you guys. Bye. 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 <laughs> that was amazing. She's fucking amazing. I mean, look, I feel like I, I wish we'd done the call before we'd done our big, oh, you need to do this and need to do that. Like she could have just deflated our entire episode. Just was like, oh, no, just bring in a pillow and have a nap. There'll be a baby when you wake up. Let, let, like, just so people could understand, like if you want to get into the bottom of Jet's story, I've actually done a podcast with Jet on uh, my show early, early, early on, the first 50 episodes I did with Jet. Jet was a essentially adopted war baby out of Vietnam in the 70s. She came to Australia, called Channel 7, from the age of, I think, 15 or 17, she called them every day saying, can I work at home and away? We don't have any jobs at home and away. Okay, hang up. Next day, can I work at home and away? We don't have any jobs at home and away. And one day, after a couple of years of this, I went, just come in and just read some scripts, okay? From there, 
worked her way up to directing, I think, 220 episodes of Neighbours and 300 episodes of Home and Away, now lives in America, is like this massive, massive TV director, How to Get Away with Murder, The Chai, you name it. She is such a, just an absolute gun of a human being. So it kind of, Charlie, it kind of doesn't surprise me that that is how Jet went about the birth of her son. Jet by name, Jet by nature, that's for sure. Now, Osh, we come to the part of the show where we induct someone into the Dad Pod Hall of Fame. And uh, I've been doing my research. I found one that I look, I'm going to say, this is how we're going to do it. I'm going to say a name. I'm going to see if you can pick who I'm talking about. If I was to say to you, Furious Styles. Furious Styles is the dad in Boys in the Hood. Ah, oh, Oshin got it in one. Furious Styles Lawrence played Fishburne. by Larry Fishburne. Yeah, amazing, amazing. The father of Trey. Uh, he's a single dad. He took responsibility for Trey when he was a young man and has raised him on his own. He's a great father. He's protective. He's loving. He gives home haircuts, which is very important when you're a teenager and can't afford to go to the barber. He teaches his son the importance of safe sex. He also stops his son from getting involved in gang violence, which I think is incredibly important. When Wolfie is a teenager, do you think you'll be able to take some of these lessons from Furious Styles and apply them? Hopefully not the gang violence part, but everything else. I, I certainly hope so. Well, we'll be watching Cuba Gooding Jr. in Boys in the Hood for sure because there's that great moment where Furious has this it's the audition piece, I guess, for the film. Yeah. That would have been the bit they got him to read. It's this extraordinary monologue he does to these kids who are like 16 or 17, and he's like, take a look around you. There's a liquor store in one corner, a gun shop on the other corner. Neither of those are owned by black families. What the fuck do you think is going on here? Open your eyes. And it's a very powerful film, but it's this moment where Lawrence Fishburne, who only 10 years before was in Apocalypse Now, you know, it's like, and then 10 years later was in The Matrix. Yep. It's an extraordinary film, and he's such a great dad under incredibly trying circumstances. He's the best. He's the best. Yeah. He also executes one of the most perfectly delivered comb flicks to the ear when cutting his son's hair, <laughs> where Trey mentions that he had sex with a girl and may not have used protection, and his dad hits him on the side of the head with this comb, which even 20 years on sticks in my mind. Like if you ever want to get someone good, you flick them with a plastic comb right in the ear. It's a real stinger. <laughs> So, Furious Styles, Dad Pod salutes Dad you. Dad Pod salutes you, Furious. This has been a, a fantastic episode of Dad Pod. I just did get a text from Jet, who was our guest dad. The baby's wedding outfit was Dolce & Gabbana. Oh, okay, just to clarify. So, let's just clarify. We don't, don't have any... Um, AJ, we wore Dolce & Gabbana to their wedding. But uh, it was great to hear our story there from Jet Wilkinson. The next time we speak, we're going to go through... I guess what's a really important part of this whole getting ready for baby to come into the house, and that is your lazy boy, not a good place for a baby to sleep, nor is a beanbag. You're going to need a crib. You're going to need a change table. More importantly, you're going to need a pram. We went into a great amount of detail during season one, but I think that between the two of us and, and our guest, Ed Cavalier, I think we're going to be... We're going to be all right with helping guide people towards the massive amounts of furniture purchasing. Yeah. I mean, I think in season one, we were in the moment buying all this stuff, not really knowing what we were getting. Yeah. But now the benefit of hindsight, we can look back and go, well, how much of that stuff do we actually use and how much could we have got secondhand? Because you spend a lot. <laughs> Let's just say it's a lot. Yeah. And uh, I am going to say right now, Charlie, that I have a shameful admission to make to you. 
about pram purchasing, but... We'll save that for next week. That'll be next time on DadPod. Okay, you can find us on Instagram at DadPodGram. We're also, if you want to send us an email, uh, anecdote, feedback, anything, we welcome to all of it. You can email us at askdadpod at gmail.com. And until next time, go to bed. Go to bed.